Let me thank John for his ministry and song tonight. Um, John's right, you know. Uh, maybe you're here tonight. Maybe you're listening online. And you've never trusted Christ as your saviour. Yet again, you're finding a gospel meeting, listening. The Lord is seeking for you. Maybe he's been seeking for you for a very long time. And tonight he could find you if you would only put your trust in him. Ninety-nine sheep, all were there. One went out and the shepherd went out to find that lost sheep. And you know, the Bible says, the Lord Jesus, just after he told that parable, he said there's great rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents. That's the verse that my mum shared with me the night I was saved. And I knew that night great rejoicing in heaven there was for me. Has there ever been great rejoicing in heaven for you? We're turning in our Bibles this evening to the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. The book of Daniel in chapter 5. I would like to speak to you this evening under the title, Writing on the Wall. Writing on the Wall. Daniel chapter 5, please. And we're reading from the verse 1. Daniel chapter 5. And we're reading from the verse 1. This is a very sad story that's found in scripture of a man who was living in sin. And the Lord told him it was his last day. And yet he didn't repent. A very sad story. Daniel chapter 5. And we're reading from the verse 1. And this is the word of the Lord. And it says, Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords. And drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver and of brass, of iron, of wood and of stone. In the CMR came four fingers of a man's hand. And wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed. And his thoughts troubled him. So that the joints of his loins were loosed. And his knees smote one against another. He was terrified. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers and the Chaldeans and the soothsayers. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, Whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then came in all the king's wise men. They could not read the writing. Nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. Then was King Belshazzar greatly troubled. And his countenance was changed in him. And his lords were astonished. Now the king, and now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house. 
And the queen spake and said, O king, live forever, let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods, and in the days of thy father, uh, light and understanding and wisdom, like the the wisdom of the gods was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, I say, thy father, made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers, forasmuch as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and shewing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts, were found in the same Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. Cast your eye down to verse 24 at the end of the chapter, please. Daniel interprets this writing which is on the wall. Verse 24, then was the part of the hand sent from him, and this writing was written, and this is the writing that was written, many, many tickle you farson. This is the interpretation of the thing, many God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tickle thou art weighed in the balances, and art found wanting, Perez. Thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then commanded Belshazzar and they clothed Daniel with the scarlet and put a chain of gold about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. In that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain. And Darius the Midian took the kingdom being about three score and two years old. We trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts this evening. With God's word open on our laps, let's come before him and let's pray. Our Father, we bow in thy presence this evening. How we realize that these moments ahead of us as we hear from your word are crucial in our lives. How we realize, Father, that you sent your only beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross of Calvary, to shed his precious blood that all men could go free. And Father, the cry comes out from Scripture this evening, repent ye and believe the gospel. And Father, we pray that in this place, that some sinner tonight would repent, turn from their sin, trust Christ as their Saviour by faith in the cross of Calvary and all that was done there, That, Father, that there would be rejoicing as John has been singing of. Even in this place tonight, let us join the angel's song of rejoicing. Give us that great privilege of leading a soul to Christ. Father, speak, we pray. We ask, O God, that no human words would be heard in this place tonight, but that only the voice of God would be heard. We ask this, Father, in the precious name of our Saviour, and for your glory alone, Amen. Amen. Surely it would be true to say that for those that know the story of Daniel well, that he is one of the greatest men in the history of the Jewish nation. He was a teenager when Nebuchadnezzar, a former king of this kingdom, came to Israel and took many people into captivity in Babylon. 
And there were several deportations happened as the Jewish people were brought in from captivity to Babylon. And, and Daniel, he was in one of those first deportations. And he lived in Babylon, Daniel, uh, for a period of 60 years. And it's amazing that during that time that he held a lot of important positions in the land. In fact, in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 48, we are told that the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him a great ruler over the whole province of Babylon. And he was even a governor of the wise men in Babylon. And as you read through the book of Daniel, it becomes beyond doubt that there is a God in heaven. And in our passage tonight, we will see that God is a God who breaks through our crisis and makes the most godless men and the most godless women know that he exists. You know, in chapter 2 and verse 28 of Daniel, we read these words, there is a God in heaven. Do you know that this evening? There is a God in heaven. Maybe you come here this evening and you're a bit agnostic. And you admit that there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of mysteries in life in the spiritual realm. But you just don't know about these things and you can't be sure. Maybe you're a partial atheist. Maybe you're somebody who genuinely believes there is a God in heaven in your head. Maybe even considered God in your heart and letting him enter in. Maybe convicted by his spirit many times even in the pews where you're sitting just now. But you live a life as if God was dead. As if he wasn't your creator. As if one day he won't be your judge. Maybe you live a fairly clean and moral life according to your own standards. But do you live anywhere near the standard that a holy God in heaven requires? Daniel was a godly young man who truly believed that there was a God in heaven. And even though at times there were people all around him chose to disobey God, he lived for and he trusted God. God warned Daniel's nation time and time again that if they continued to live in disobedience, judgment would come. But they continued to disobey and because they ignored the warnings of God, the Babylonians came in and took them captive. And during that time, Daniel as a child of God went through many difficult trials in Babylon, but he never gave in. These trials only proved more and more that his heart was after God. You could even think of three other young men who we find in Daniel who faced a trial and were cast into the fiery furnace, but a fourth man appeared in the fire. It was God, and God protected them. Can I say something tonight? For the child of God, the Lord is with you in the fiercest storms, in the fiercest trials. You know, even as we set our context here, there's an early lesson that we can learn before we even delve into the text. As sure as there is a God in heaven, we can be sure that for those who willingly choose to live their lives in full disobedience to God, judgment will come. That is the message of scripture. But for those who accept they are sinners and turn to Christ for salvation, there's a special presence of the Lord in the trials. But not only that, an an assurance not of eternal judgment, but of eternal peace and joy in heaven with Christ. Here was Daniel. He was taken as a young man away from his home and family. 
Yet the Bible says he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. He was a young man and the Lord had touched him and changed his heart and he loved the Lord with his whole being and he stood for God. Can I ask you, dear friend, has the God of heaven touched your heart ever? Has he changed your heart? Has the Lord transformed your life? Are you a new creation? He's willing to do that for you tonight. Oh, dear friend, listen as God speaks to you from his word tonight. Now, between chapters 4 and 5 of Daniel, 20 years have passed. Nebuchadnezzar, who was king when Daniel arrived in Babylon, he was dead. And there were some kings with short reigns in between. But now Belshazzar is on the throne, and we want to focus on his story this evening. And I just want you to notice three things in this story tonight. The first of those is this, the feast that Belshazzar had. The feast that Belshazzar had. Look at verse 1 with me. It says, Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Here we see the king was holding a great feast and there were thousands of people there and this was a great party and there would have been all sorts of things there to overindulge in and to satisfy the senses. This was the ultimate party. There was food, there was drink, there was immorality, pleasures in all places. We live in a world that's obsessed with pleasure, do we not? How many of you ask them and work this week would say, we live for the weekend, getting to the end of the working week to enjoy the temporary and fleeting pleasures of the world. Many people justify overindulging in the pleasures of sin today by saying, well, you only live once. What a lie the devil gives. Here in Belshazzar's world at this party, they live for their senses, what they could think, what they could experience. They lived on the principle, whatever your eyes see, if you want to take it and make it your own, enjoy life to the full, eat, drink and be merry because tomorrow you're going to be dead and enjoy your, and you won't be able to enjoy yourself any longer. I wonder, is that your philosophy in life? You see, at this moment, that might work well for you. It might actually satisfy you today, living for the moment. But it always leaves you wanting more. You see, the problem with reveling in sensual pleasures today is that you can be blinded by the pleasures of time, so blinded by the pleasures of time that you can't consider the realities of eternity. You even become blind to the fact that there actually is the God in heaven. Please don't let the devil tell you this lie. Don't let him tell you that this life is the only life you've got. Then we're done. So live while you can. This life down here is not all there is. The Lord Jesus told a story in Luke chapter 12 of a rich business farmer, so rich and successful that he had to pull down his existing barns and expand and build greater barns. And he said to his own soul, soul, eat and drink and be merry. You're so successful. Enjoy your success. And he was living as if there was nothing but time, that there was no eternity, that there was nothing beyond death. And he was enjoying his success. Then the Bible says that one night God came to him and God said you're a fool for this night your soul will be required of you and then who shall all these things be which you have provided 
You see, the Bible says that if you forget God in life, God will forget you in death. In Psalm 9, we read, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the people that forget God. There is a God in heaven tonight and you must consider him and you must consider what he says in his word. Listen, of course, there are many things that God has provided for us to enjoy in this life. But the fact of the matter is most people in this world today are just living for their own sinful pleasures and they ignore the reality of eternity. Is that you? You know, living like that is living a godless existence. You're just living to enjoy yourself, not thinking of the fact that there is a great and holy and sovereign God in heaven who knows your heart, who one day you'll stand before. But you know, there was something else that we must note from this feast that Belshazzar had. In verses 2 and 3, we see Belshazzar's godless existence was illustrated in that he was playing fast and loose with holy things. You've ex- his father Nebuchadnezzar before him had stolen these vessels from the temple of God. And then in verse 3 it says, Then they brought the, the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes and his wives and his concubines drank from them. And they poured wine into holy things and they got drunk. They were poking fun at God. You've experienced this, haven't you? Work colleagues telling blasphemous jokes about God. Maybe you're the one telling them. That's what they were doing here in their own context. They're filling these vessels that are meant to be holy and set apart to for God with wine. They're getting intoxicated. Playing fast and loose with God. Playing, playing fast and loose with holy things. A lack of respect. A lack of reverence, total sacrilege and blasphemy. Is that you? Is that what comes out of your mouth? Is that the way you think? Are you found using God's name as a swear word? You know, there's other examples in the Bible of people who played with holy things. We could go further back into the Old Testament, the first Samuel, and we find Eli's sons. They played fast and loose with holy things. They were the priests at the tabernacle, God's holy place. And do you know what they were doing? They were having relationships with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle. And they probably worked in the tabernacle vicinity. And here they were, meant to be representing God as holy men and holy things. And they were actually defiling holy practices and playing fast and loose with God and maybe you're a person here tonight and you say you're a Christian but in your heart you know you're not and maybe you take the name of Christ and maybe you even get involved in the church and you give to the church and you do many things and you know rightly that you're playing fast and loose with God you don't have to be doing that In the New Testament we come to 1 Corinthians 11 and we read that there's people who sit around the Lord's table and they were eating and drinking unworthily. They were eating and drinking damnation on themselves. In other words, people who shouldn't have been there. And this goes on every Lord's Day around our country. People meeting at the Lord's table and they're not converted, they're not saved and they're playing with holy things. Is that you? Listen dear friend, don't play with God. He knows your heart. And it could be that you're here tonight 
And you're either blinded by the things and pleasures of the world that you're not thinking that there's a God in heaven who you're going to stand before, or you're blinded by your church participation thinking that that's what's going to lead you to heaven. Dear friends, are you really going to let all these things blind you from the fact that you're walking straight towards the gates of hell? Oh, the God would quicken your heart to realize tonight the danger you're in. I read a story during the week of how Eskimos used to catch polar bears. They used to, to depend almost entirely upon the polar bear to survive. Its meat was their food, its fur was their clothing, its fat was what they cooked with, its bones and teeth were the tools that they used. And they developed over the centuries ingenious ways of catching the polar bear. And what they did first of all was they would kill a small animal, maybe like a seal, and they would drag the blood of the seal through the snow leading to one central location. Then they got a dagger that was about two feet long and they froze the shaft of the dagger, the handle, into the ice. Then they would take that animal's carcass and they would place it on the blade. And the polar bear then would come along and he would pick up the trail of blood and he would find easy meat. And the delicacy is devoured very quickly by the polar bear, but the Eskimos were smart enough and they knew never to kill a large animal. And the polar bear, he would be hungry. He would be incredibly hungry. And after eating the seal, it would keep on licking and licking and licking. And it would lick the blade, not realizing that there had been a transition from licking the blood of the seal to licking its own, own blood until the polar bear would bleed to death. Dear friend, that's exactly what Satan is doing to you. She lick and lick and lick at the pleasures of this life. He's leading you down the broad path that many people go into a lost eternity. Belshazzar had a feast. Pleasures upon them. The wine was flowing. Playing fast and loose with God. He had a godless existence. I wonder, is it you? You see, we must consider, secondly, the fingers Belshazzar saw. Look at verse 5. It says, in the same hour. It means suddenly, right there in the midst of their partying, something happened. The music stops. The singing ends, the dance floor is silent, the party grinds to a halt, every eye is riveted on these mysterious fingers that are writing on the wall. And here's the warning of God in the same hour that all these unholy things were happening. At that moment, God broke in to the godless existence of Belshazzar. The existence that Belshazzar had denied all his life was real. And God wanted him to know that he was real, that there was a God in heaven. <coughs> Dear friend, tonight you might live a godless existence. But you're here tonight. <coughs> you're presently having a close encounter with the divine. Because the God whose fingers wrote on the wall that night is the God who speaks to you through his word right now. And you might have a godless existence, but tonight you're having a close encounter with God. God is here. The fingers of God reached into that sinful room. 
And he convicted the king. God is here tonight to minister to your soul. He's out looking for you, searching for you, speaking to you. Will you repent and admit your need of him? The fingers of God reached into Belshazzar's godless existence and now he was having an encounter with the God of heaven. I wonder, dear friend, are the fingers of God wrapped around your soul just now? And God is speaking to you. I wonder, are they bringing deep conviction of sin in your soul? Let me tell you what happens when God truly convicts your soul. The king was fearful. The fear Belshazzar knew. Look at verse 5. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand. It was God's hand. And rode over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw part of the hand that wrote. Listen. The king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knee smote against another. The spiritual shock was sudden to this man. I wonder, has it been sudden for you? It shook him to the core of his being. I don't know what you're going through this evening, but if you look at these verses, you see the king's face had changed, his countenance had changed. Visibly, he was shaken to the core, and his thoughts were troubling him, and mentally he was troubled. He was troubled to the depths of his emotions. He couldn't control himself, and it says his joints were loose. Physically, he actually shook. His knees knocked together because there was a spiritual reality that came forcibly home to him. He was a sinner before God. He hadn't even a moment to think about it or do anything for it. One moment he was living his godless existence. The next moment he was having a God experience. And he knows he's without hope because he's left God out of his life. The Bible says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Here was the king's opportunity to repent. To repent in his arrogance instead. He looked to other places. Listen to your friend and your sin against the goodness of God. You're playing literally with fire. Because you're playing with hell. Who do you think you are to think that God wouldn't call time in your life tonight? What if you were to fall into the hands of the living God tonight, the God who is in heaven? You say, not me, it won't happen to me, Peter. You hear of tragic young deaths. But it'll not happen to you. I ask you before God tonight, who do you think you are? When your appointed time comes, there will be no escaping it. And if you live in your sin, you may never prepare for eternity. And in the king's fear and trembling, he turned to the wrong places and he turned to the wrong people for help. Can I ask you, is your life in despair? Maybe there's something that's been troubling for you for a long time. Maybe guilt takes over your life and your soul. With the king, instead of repenting and turning, 
He sent for the soothsayers and the magicians. Maybe there's someone listening tonight and that's exactly what you do. You go to the occult and you, you're reading your horoscopes or, or, or you think those things will help you. Don't look there, my friend. The devil will damn your soul through those things. His family, you know. Even his family started to speak to him. He'd had a God experience and his family comes in and starts talking. And his wife tried to calm him. And he turned from a drunken peel to a frightened wife. And his whole family said they were sore amazed. And they thought, they, they thought some frenzied distemper had gotten into his head. And it says in the passage, therefore, it drawing towards night and hoping that sleep might settle his head, they hasted him to bed. My friend... If you are troubled in your soul tonight because of your sin, there's not something wrong with you. God is speaking to you and you're troubled. And praise God, he's speaking to you. But what you need is not to go to bed or to ignore it or to look to other things in this world. You need to get to Christ. You need to put to put your fingers and your ears to whoever is trying to distract you and dissuade you from the gospel. You need to ignore their cry and you need to cry for life and eternal life and the Lord Jesus alone is the giver. Listen, friend, the Lord knows all about your sin. So don't you think you can hide it? There's a God in heaven and he sees your sin and he sees your heart and he sees your soul. John chapter 4, there was a woman at a well. She was a deeply immoral woman. The Lord Jesus with his prophetic vision came to her and he said this, you've married five times. And the one you're living with now, he's not your husband. You're an immoral woman. And I know all about you. The Lord Jesus knew all about her sin and he knows all about yours. Don't think you can hide your sin from the God of heaven. But the Lord passed by this little woman because he loved her. And the Lord is passing by this way tonight that you could have a God experience because he loves you and he wants to save you. He died on the cross for you. He shed his precious blood for you. And he calls you to come to him tonight. Do you know what the Lord said to that woman? He says, I can give you water that will satisfy your soul. So that you're not running around looking for the things that don't satisfy in this life. I can give you eternal life. And that woman embraced him as her saviour. And do you know what she did? She ran into town and she says, come see a man that told me all the things ever I did. Is this not the Christ? There is a man. Dear friend, there is a man for you. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he knows your secret sins. He knows all about you. But he loves you. And God's word tells me, but God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. Tonight he calls out to you and he says, repent ye and believe the gospel. Turn from that sin, turn from those pleasures and see Christ as your saviour, the one who died for your sin. You see, there was the feast that Belshazzar had. There were the fingers that Belshazzar saw. There was the fear that Belshazzar knew, but there was the faithful preacher God sent. Daniel was sent. And in verse 11 we read this. There is a man. There is a man. And you know this man, he came with God's message. 
But this evening as we come to the end of another gospel service, I don't want to preach to you about Daniel. I want to tell you about my Saviour, the Lord Jesus, who saved my soul. The Lord Jesus came with the message from heaven. He is God's anointed one. He said, God has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted and to release the captives. Dear friend, you're a captive to sin tonight. And the Saviour came to release the captive. He went to the cross whilst men tried to dissuade him. He spoke against sinful pride in the religious establishment. He proclaimed the judgment of God was coming. And dear friend, it still is. And he proclaimed that men need to repent. That's what the Bible teaches. It is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. He told of personal folly and the rebellion against God. He told people, except ye repent, ye shall perish. The Lord Jesus spoke the truth. And he came to speak the truth. And Christ paid the wrath for your sin that you could go free if you would only accept him. Daniel, God's messenger, comes in and he explains what the writing on the wall meant. And I want to close with these words that we find in verse 25 this evening. And this is the writing that was written. Many, many tickle you for sin. Many means numbered. Many meant your numbers up, Belshazzar. Your numbers up. God who numbers all kingdoms says you're finished. And he says twice, twice, God says, your number's up. Your number's up, many, many. God was going to wipe Belshazzar out that night. But still, Belshazzar didn't respond. Dear friend, when your number's up, can I ask you, will you be ready for eternity? The life of each of us is made up of numbers, months of the year, days of the month, hours of the days, seconds in the minute. And the Bible says, so teach us to number our days, that we apply our hearts unto wisdom. Your days are numbered by God. The very day we are born, we begin to die. How many days are left in your life? In mine? We don't know. Many, many, your days are numbered. Tackle. Means weighed. Look at verse 27. Thou art weighed in the balances, and you're found wanting. Put the United Kingdom in the scales of God, and she's found wanting. Put your family on the scales of God without Christ, and they're found wanting. But the gospel message is for individuals. Put yourself in the scales. And without Christ, you too are found wanting. Every one of us. Do you know something? Only one thing can balance those scales in your life. To satisfy God. And it's the cleansing and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when you get to Christ... When you get Christ on the scales, you're no longer found wanting. You go free. Your sin debt is paid and the guilt of the past is erased. 
Listen, do you think if a man heard that they would be that they would be dying that night, if a man heard this message that Belshazzar had heard, surely when you think and put yourself in Belshazzar's shoes, surely he should respond and repent and come to God and repent of his sin. But he didn't. Surely he should have cried out, save me. Save me lest I go into your judgment unprepared. You would think the man having heard God's message would do that, but he didn't. There's some who listen to me this evening and you're just as foolish as he is. You've heard the gospel for years and yet you're still unmoved. You've heard the gospel for years and you just sit on Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and you go out that door. Do you know what the last word meant? You farson. Meant divided. Your kingdom's going to be divided. You're done. You're finished. The king being told his kingdom was to be divided. He was done that night. Do you know what he did? He went on and look what it says in verse 25. Then commanded Belshazzar. And they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. The king's just heard his kingdom's finished. He is finished. His days are numbered. He's been weighed in the balances and found wanting. And his sin, he again ignores God's message. He clothes Daniel and lifts him up. Dear friends, sin will make a fool of you. What a fool that king was. You can't sin and get away with it. Here's my final thought. On that night the king was slain. God's word as it was written came to pass. God's word will always come to pass. Always. What God has said will happen. And the Bible tells me that every single person in this room, every single person in the Grange, every single person in Northern Ireland, every single person in the United Kingdom and Ireland, every person that walks this world will stand before God. And if you're not prepared, you will stand before the great white throne. On that day, God will cast you into hell. You'll be the fool that heard the gospel over and over again. And never repented. This life is so brief. And our days are numbered. Not one of us knows when they will end. I told you a number of weeks ago about a 21-year-old girl who lived not so far from here, who one morning went out, not realising that she wouldn't visit her pillow again. Didn't see another day in her. Killed in a car crash in an instant. Not one of us know 
if this is our last day on earth. I plead with you, dear friend, as I have pled with your soul many times before, come to Christ. Trust him as your saviour. Be ready for eternity and enjoy the eternal life that he gives. Jesus is passing this way tonight. He is ready and willing to save you. The fingers of God are moving in this place. Know that you would yield. Oh, that you would come to him and receive him as your saviour.